1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
0: So we have a cartridge, we have a rifle, we have a bullet, but we don't have accuracy. What's going on? Hello everyone, Ron Spomer at Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast, and we have a problem. <laughs> Patron Alec has got some accuracy issues, and he would wonder if I could help him out. And the cool thing was, I think I did. I wrote him right back. Let's just see what his problem is. He's new to reloading, and he got a 308 Winchester in a Bergara HMR rifle, 20-inch barrel. He's having some trouble with accuracy shooting 168 grain burger classic hunter bullets, starline brass, good quality stuff. He's using VVN 140 powder and he's just not getting good performance. So we did a ladder test to try to find out which would be the best powder density to have for his load. And he was working in increments of 0.3 grains between his loads. Ooh, that's tight. At any rate, bullet choice, brass, powder, what's going on here? Any tips would be appreciated. Thanks, Alec. All right, Alec, I'm not sure what to tell you exactly, but it sounds as if you're doing things right. Perhaps you're even cutting it too close with those 0.3 grain increments. Those wide standard deviations sound like a possible neck tension issue, being variable neck tension on your bullets or there's a variable internal case volume difference or a variable seating depth or even a variable case sizing difference. Something is not consistent. I think through everything that you're doing and see if you can come up with the answer to this inconsistency. It could also be that you just got a bad barrel, but just check for some inconsistencies first. A few days later, he writes back and says, Hey, Ron, thanks for the tips. I made sure to measure every case neck. And man, was that tedious. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But I did notice quite a few were coming out larger than the others, meaning he has a larger diameter neck or a thicker neck. The mandrel on the Lee Collet die was slightly loose. so I changed my increments to 0.4 grain. I used VVN 140 powder instead of Varget. And now my only problem seems to be finding which bug hole group is the smallest? <laughs> wow. I think the uh, neck tension probably worked for him because he's using the same powder the way it sounds. Cool. So then, and that just goes to explain, or at least to showcase, the kind of improvements handloaders can make in their ammunition performance. You know, there are a lot of little things and you've got to really be into this game to get the precise ammunition if you really want to work it that way as a hand loader. I mean, you can just, Standard hand load and your stuff goes off and works well enough. But if you really want to go for precision accuracy, you've got all these little things to look at. Neck consistency and tension. You can weigh your cases. Is the powder volume the same from one to the other? And how far out do you seat the bullets from the lands? And just all sorts of fun things to do. And it sounds like new hand loader Alex is getting into him and getting his money's worth. So appreciate the the, uh, letter there. Alex and I was glad we could help you out. Now, here is one from uh, another one of our patrons, Delbert. I've been having some fun communications with him. And uh, he and I are familiar with some country we've both hunted. We're having some fun. And uh, let's see. His last question was about a bullet. He's got a 35 Whalen. He's got a model, Ruger Model 77 rifle chambered in 35 Whalen. It was manufactured in 1989. He likes bolt-action rifles and walnut stocks. It's fun to shoot. Uh, he loves the history, the versatility, the power of the 35 Wayland and the fact that it's not very popular with everyone else. I kind of like to go that way myself. Um, he plans to use it mostly for hunting deer and hogs, but he might want to use it for something bigger someday. So he really likes the Barnes TTSX Bullets, and he's been trying to decide on which one uh, the factory Barnes loads he should get. Should you hunt with 180 grain or the 200 grain? They both shoot accurately in his 116 twist M77. The 180 has more muzzle velocity and energy out of the gate over the 200, but I've read that the 200 doesn't lose its velocity as fast downrange. I know speed is key with model metal, metal bullets, so which grain weight would you recommend? Does it 20 grain difference really matter that much in a monumental bullet as far as power and punch in a 358 caliber. Your advice is greatly appreciated. I really enjoy your videos on the 35 Whalen and the .30-06 family of cartridges. Thanks for the information. Well, thank you, Delbert. And here was my answer to Delbert. Fairly short. Delbert, I have found that the Barnes bullets penetrate like lead cores that are two weight categories heavier. So expect 180 performance equal to the 200-grain lead, or even a 228-grain lead bullet. You should get 2,800 feet per second from the 180-grain bullet and 2,700 from the 200-grain. Zero that 200 yards for both of those, and they will both drop about nine inches at 300 yards. So there's really not a big trajectory difference. The 200 will be carrying about 300 foot pounds more energy at 300 yards and holding about 70 feet per second more velocity. Well, you might have trouble stabilizing those 200s in that twist rifling. So check that out, but good luck. And of course, he writes back and says, Thanks for the information, Ron. Appreciate it. And we will find out if it worked for him, but I think it will. Now, um, where are my other... Oh, yeah, there they are. Here are the surprise questions. <laughs> Curtis from Oklahoma. You can find many articles and forums um, espousing how adequate the 6.5 Grendel is for an elk cartridge and conversely, how underpowered the 6.8 SPC is for the same purposes. Hmm. My question is, how is that possible? Out to 300 yards, the 6.8 and the 6.5... Remember, the 6.8 is not the the 6.8 Westerner. It's the 6.8 SPC, pretty small cartridge. The 6.8 and the 6.5 seem ballistically similar regarding energy, with the 6.8 being somewhat better terminally given the broader projectile, or the broader diameter, 27 caliber instead of uh, 26 caliber. Take into account that the 6.5 crowd is very good at referencing ballistics for a 20-inch-plus barrel when they're using 16- to 18-inch barrels and the differences become even narrower. Lastly, if the 1,500-foot-pound requirement is to be believed in respect to elk hunting, are they both not underpowered? Seems to me to 300 yards, they're either both capable or not. And then after 300 yards, neither has the power to be used ethically. (laughs) Thanks for your response. Curtis, I got to commend you. You are doing some good thinking here and some good research on all this ballistic stuff. And that's why we are always talking about it. You know, It's real easy to just say cartridge X is absolutely the greatest or bullet weight X is the greatest and really not know why. But when you start digging into the ballistics and the performances, then it starts to show up like, wait a minute, this great cartridge and bullet that so-and-so is recommending turns out it's not even as good as my puny little 6.5 Grendel out there at 300 yards or whatever we discover. So I don't have an absolute answer for you here without running some of these numbers myself. I mostly want to say that you are doing a great job of figuring this stuff out. And this is what everyone needs to do. You can't just take answer a as absolute what was the length of their barrel was their muzzle velocity what you can expect from your rig or are you going to get something much faster or much slower and then what's the bullet bc is it going to lose a lot of energy down range over the years i've just come come to think that the 6.8 spc is not a great deer hunting cartridge let alone elk simply because it's generally loaded with the lighter bullets. It just does not have the powder capacity to drive your traditional 130 to 150 grain bullets very fast. So unless you're shooting subsonic stuff or in fairly close, you're not going to have the trajectory you might want for good performance downrange with these 115 to 120 grain bullets that are loaded often in the 6.8 spc whereas that 6.5 grandel will generally have 129 grain bullet and in a 26 caliber bullet 129 grains is getting up there and you do a pretty good job of hanging out of your energy and the bullet weight is sufficient to get a little more penetration a little more momentum behind that heavier bullet and i think that's why some guys would say that that one is adequate for elk i agree it's not optimal for elk But again, as we always say, the right bullet in the right place is going to do the damage and you're probably going to be okay. But I agree with you. I wouldn't be hunting elk out to 300 yards with either one of them. I might want to hold it to uh, 200 yards. I know the ballistics the last time I looked on on the Grendel were pretty impressive out to 300 yards for deer. I do not agree uh, that 1,500 foot-pounds of energy uh, is required to take an elk. It's not energy that kills them. The bullet just has to have enough energy to reach the vitals and damage them, cause the hemorrhaging, and that's how you get your game. So don't freak out about that. So, yeah, I think you're right on it there, Curtis. All right, here is someone from Canada, Gerard, and he's talking about stability or asking about it. Hey Ron, it's the South African guy from Canada. So this is cool. We have a South African gentleman from Canada asking a dude in uh, the United States. (laughs) I managed to catch up on another few of your episodes this week. You talk a lot about stable bullets. Please elaborate a little more on bullet stability. We know a heavier bullet in the same caliber becomes longer, which requires a higher twist in the barrel to keep it stable. But what is stable? Does it start tumbling tip over basins going sideways or (laughs) what distance will it start to tumble? I know you're going to say, how long is a piece of rope? Wink, wink. Um, Or is it just a matter of spinning in a spiral manner, keeping the tip front end and the tail back end and causing it to deflect from its path, which should be in theory, affected by velocity, drag, and weight, uh, all of the above, some of the above more. (laughs) Okay. Let's just back up and see if we can figure out this stability stuff. Most of us do pretty well thinking of a football. You throw a football wobbly and you don't go very far and it wobbles and it doesn't fly very well. Nice spiral and you go, that quarterback can throw a beautiful spiral. And that's valuable because it'll go straight down range and won't be deflected by the wind and all wonderful stuff. Same thing with a bullet. Think also of a top. Gyroscopic stability in your bullet is like stabilizing a top. If your top is perfectly stabilized, you spin that thing and it just stands up perfectly straight and hums along and wow. But if you get a little bit wobbly, if that top has a little more weight on one edge than the other, it starts wobbling and it doesn't want to stay in place, right? You want your bullet to stay on its flight path, nose forward, tail backwards, just like you said. Exactly right. So you need to spin that thing fast enough, just like your top or your football, so it stays straight down range. Now, how do they become unstable? They're not spinning fast enough. They start like a top that's going too slow to wobble. And when they start to wobble, the wind starts to hit the sides and the nose and it starts to slow down faster and get blown off course and you've got a mess. If you shoot too long of a bullet for your twist rate, you will see on your target egg-shaped holes. You'll have a relatively poor group, even at a hundred yards. And instead of being a nice round hole, it's egg-shaped. Your bullet is landing semi-sideways. It's just not stable. The nose is nodding, yawing, circling around and your bullets just not having a happy life. So you've got to spin it fast enough. And that's a stable bullet. As long as it's uh, stable enough to maintain its ballistics coefficient. And I'll maybe expand on that a little bit too. A bullet is is rated for its ballistics coefficient from the factory after they do a bunch of tests and things. And you can check this by shooting farther and farther downrange to see if it's doing what it's supposed to do, maintaining velocity and everything else. Um, but generally, your rifles will do pretty well what they say they will do for that ballistics coefficient. But sometimes you'll find out that, man, you're not getting near the the drop drift trajectory things that are predicted for that BC, which means... The bullet really does not have that high of a BC. And uh, it might be because your barrel has scoured the bullet too much with its rifling, kind of ripped up the surface, so you've got more drag that way. But more likely, it's not quite stable, and the nose is sort of circling around the tail. The tail end maybe is going pretty well straight, but the front end is doing this And if you're looking at a podcast, you're not seeing my fingers doing a twist here, but just run your finger around in a circle. The base of your finger here at the knuckle is staying in the same place, but the tip is circling around. That's one of the things a bullet can do. and As you can imagine, if it does that, it exposes more of its surface area on the nose and even on the shank to more airflow, drag, and that slows the bullet down and it lowers your ballistics coefficient. If the bullet is perfectly stabilized, it's point forward and the wind is being split by that nice sharp nose and sliding around the bullet. So you have maximum aerodynamic efficiency. There's your stable bullet. Hope that helps you out there, Uh, Gerard. Sorry, didn't didn't mean to call you Gerald when you're a Gerard. But good question and uh, thanks for asking it. Now here's John doesn't list where he's from, but it says, Ron, are the low record round or the low recoil rounds on the market today adequate for deer hunting? I shoot a 30 out six, but I've gotten tired of the recoil. But I still want a round that is effective. Thanks in advance. Absolutely. John, you can reduce recoil to crazy levels. Consider the blackout, 300 blackout shoots a 308 bullet just like your 30 out six. Not going very fast, but you get a heavy bullet and you got a lot of momentum, and you punch through and you get the right material and construction in that bullet so that it expands at those lower velocities, and they're quite effective. And it's pretty obvious when you think of the 308 family. You know, you've got your 38, 30 out six was kind of right in the middle and we know what that can do and then you step down to the 308 and you maybe lose 100 feet per second and that's quite capable people will say that is the absolute best all around you can get it takes out elk and moose and everything else and it does then you go down to the 30 30 which is considerably slower that's even potentially less effective at 150 200 yards than that 300 blackout because of the blunt flat-nosed bullets that you generally shoot in it and that's famous for taking out deer and a lot of people have used it for elk and bear i myself used it for black bear no problems. And of course you've got a velocity of 2300 feet per second perhaps with your 170 grain bullet or 150 grain bullet in that 3030. So 30 out six same diameter bullet same weight going a lot faster even if you get the lighter loads. So yeah, don't worry about it. you're gonna do just fine with those low recoil rounds in your 30 odd six. From Eastern Washington Ty asks about bullets and hunting Hi Ron. My main rifle is the Ruger 77 Mark II chambered for 30 6 So, and what is that? It's our second Mark II today, or is that? No, he didn't ask about a Mark II. But that's our 2nd 30 .30-06 of the day. My question is about the differences in the grain of bullets. Uh, I'm using a 180-grain controlled expansion bullet, and I feel that it might be too much for whitetail. I think I'm with you there. The reason why I use such a heavy bullet is that I have used this rifle for elk hunting as well. Should I drop down to 150 grain bullet for deer or meet in the middle with 165 grain? Any advice on different bullets I should use and their weights would be greatly appreciated. Love your show and I listen every chance I get. I appreciate that, Ty, and those are some great questions. And I think you're on it. The 180 will do everything. A lot of people use it for everything. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, its trajectory, you know, the ballistic performance of it, and it'll do just fine on deer as well as elk. You might find that you're shooting through deer and not getting quite as much expansion. Um, And if you don't like blood trailing and tracking a deer that could run 50 to 100 yards. With a shot like that, you might get a little more dramatic performance from a 150 grain bullet with a little bit lighter construction. But then again, you run the potential of, well happening the, something that happened to me several years ago in Texas. 150 grain bullet, 30 out six. I think it was a PowerPoint bullet from Winchester. Fairly soft, traditional cup and core bullet tend to flatten out a lot, a lot of expansion, which is great for a deer. Broadside chest shot. The deer ran off, obviously hit, figured it'd be lying right there, could not find it. It was in some heavy brush, and man, was it hard to find. I knew it had to be dead with the, the shot. Uh, we had to look and look and do all the usual circling stuff to finally find it. Um, no blood trail because the bullet came apart inside, didn't punch through, which was eh, not a big problem. A lot of guys will say, well, that's perfect because all the energy was expended in the animal. Well, it was, but it didn't drop on the spot like you would think it would. Something like 3,000 foot pounds of energy out of that bullet on that little deer. Come on. That's why I always say that dropping the energy in the animal is not what kills it. It bled out internally, but we just had trouble finding it. With your 180s, you're probably going to go through and have a blood trail. So now, 165, I think you're right on for, that has been my all round compromise. I think your 30.6 6 is optimized with a 165-grain bullet. Not too light, not too heavy. Um, I think it works just as well for elk if it's the right shape style bullet. Uh, Controlled expansion for elk, I think you'll do just fine with it. So if you want a one-shot consistent 30 out six for everything, I would go with 165. And then I would probably, you know, test a few Acubons and copper bullets, cutting edge and hammer and barns. And there's so many good ones out there now. I think you would just have really good luck with it. So uh, give it a try. And if you think about it, write us back and let us know how it works out for you. But I think you're on the right track with that 165. Now from Indiana, Joseph, if I remember right, Indiana, you can't use bottleneck cartridges. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. Let's see if he has anything to say about it. I'm thinking of building a dedicated elk rifle. Well, that's not Indiana. (laughs) I think they might have one or two elk there, but I don't think they're hunting them yet. Dedicated elk rifle. I'm not a long-range shooter. I care nothing about having the hottest, newest thing out there. I would never shoot over 400 or 500 yards at game, and I prefer to keep every shot inside of 300 yards. Well, I commend you for that, Joseph. I think that's an excellent uh, plan. If this rifle will serve any other purpose than elk hunting, it would be to hunt stag, which is like the European version of an elk, a little bit smaller, kudu, which is another elkish-sized animal, from africa this time Gemsbuck. that's another oh probably 600 pound 500 pound animal good odd ad, that's a tough sheep like goat sheep animal down in texas uh, so i'm thinking of a seven rem mag with a 24 inch barrel and about a 700 seven and a half pound weight unscoped and unloaded is there another cartridge you would recommend is my way of thinking correct in your opinion yes <laughs> actually you've landed kind of on my rifle here <laughs> years ago. I thought the seven rim mag was a darn good option for this stuff and inside of 300 yards piece of cake. So yeah, you'll do very well. I have used the seven rim mag to take, I don't remember. I've taken elk with it. Um, Kudu, I think. Gemsbuck, I know for sure. Um, I don't think I have on ad, but I've taken Eland with it, which is the biggest you African antelope, biggest antelope in the world, probably an 1800 pounder. I took it with the seven rim mag, no problem. And I had a 24 inch barrel. Um, and my rifle weighs seven and a half pounds with the scope on it. And I don't find the recoil to be objectionable, but then a lot of people, you know, recoil is a big deal. Recoil is not a big deal. It's just up to the individual. So yeah, I think you're right on it right there. I would not hesitate to use a seven rim mag with the right bullets (laughs) for anything and everything in the world. And uh, you're going to have fun with that one, Joseph. You might even use it on Indiana Whitetail one day if they let you. You Indiana hunters, remind me, do you guys have that restriction on straight wall cartridges only? I know Illinois does and Ohio, you're sandwiched in between. So you maybe have the same thing. I just can't remember. All right. This is Steve from, it looks like Alabama. I have a TC contender in a wildcat caliber. Okay, so that's that TC uh, handgun. Remember that? contender handgun. I think they quit making them. That was a great, great little handgun. Quite popular. You could get 10-inch barrels, 14-inch barrels, even I think 16-inch barrels on that thing. And then they started putting a buttstock on and make it into a rifle. It was real handy. Folks loved those because you could swap out barrels and very inexpensively shoot a variety of cartridges and rifles. It was really cool. So, Let's get back to poor Steve here because he has one TC consent contender in a wildcat. I tried to contact you once, but technology and I don't really get along very well. (laughs) I hear you on that one, Steve. The contender that I have was made by a DA Van Horn in Arizona. I've heard of Van Horn. Um, He made it in a 358, 444 Super Mag. Can you tell me anything about it? boy not from personal experience just from reading your numbers here i'm guessing that he took the 444 marlin straight wall cartridge and necked it down to take a 35 caliber bullet 358 um so yeah uh i would have to do some research to figure out your velocity on that guy but it sounds to me like you'd getting, gosh getting up there towards that 35 Whalen, i would think certainly the 35 remington magnum or the 350 remington magnum so i think you've got yourself a pretty hot little item right there um i don't know what barrel length you've got but i would expect you could be driving some 180 grain bullets probably 25 2600 feet per second just my guess you got We'll look it up anyone out there who has any experience with this 358 444 super mag wildcat cartridge write in and let us know. And if you got pictures, send that in too. It's always fun to learn about those things. Let us know how you've used it, what you've taken with it, and how effective it's been for you. Sounds like a fun little wildcat. This is James from New Mexico. Hi Ron, my oldest son. I want to get him his first deer rifle. He's already got a 22 long rifle and he has some time behind the ARs that I've built. So can you recommend a good rifle in, say, a 6.5 Creedmoor or a 243 Winchester that can grow with him? I've heard that there are rifles that have stock inserts that lengthen the length of pull, but I'm not too familiar with them. Thanks, James. Oh, yeah, James, you're on it here. There are several like that. The one that I am the most familiar with is the Mossberg Bantam. They've got a series of their uh, guns, a the Patriot line of bold action rifles, and they come with a short short stock for short lengths of pull with several spacers. I think there are three of them. So you'll go from about a 13, maybe it's 12 and three quarter, but somewhere in that range for the really short shooters. And then you can space it out until you reach about 13 and three quarters or maybe 14. And it's pretty simple. Just take two screws out, put in the new spacer, and put the rubber butt pad back on and you're in business. So they grow with the shooter. That would be a great way to roll. Um, I don't, I assume they have that in a six, five more. I'm pretty sure they do. Seems to me Savage had one like that too. And there may be others. So I think you just need to dive in and do a search online and find out which one of those manufacturers will offer that. Um, another option is to cut down, obviously, and a lot of us don't like to do that, but I've done it several times. My wife is pretty short length of pull. So we will take, uh, stock and cut it down for her. And then you think, well, cripes, now I can never use that for anything else. But what I have found is that I can accommodate myself to her short length of pull and shoot her rifles, especially if they're not real high recoiling rifles. I just have to remember to keep my head back a little bit on the comb when I'm shooting not creep up on it. And with the 65 five. Creedmoor, it's not a problem for me to also shoot that. And I can also add spacers of my own later on. I mean, this has kind of been a standard for gunsmiths for years. They'll take a walnut stock, they'll cut it off, save the piece, and then add it back in later or add another piece of wood. You know, you sometimes looks kind of dorky, but it's an option. Now, James, here's another option for you is that you can get a secondary stock. Some of these aftermarket stocks are pretty inexpensive. Um, look around and uh, just search for aftermarket replacement stocks. And for bold actions especially, it's really quite simple to replace a stock. And uh, I know brown I've used quite a bit. And there are several that are the fiberglass stocks, hand-laid. You can get some really nice ones. Or you can get some really inexpensive polymer molded plastic stocks that uh, don't cost all that much and then you can easily switch and swap and the nice thing about those is that you will have the original length stock for dad or any other longer arm shooters and then when the uh, smaller shooters want to use it you just drop it into the new stock and away you go so you might want to check those out All right, that looks like the end of the questions. Those are some good ones today, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. I don't know if there were any ladies asking questions this time. I don't think so, but we sure invite you to. Um, A lot of times uh, the ladies want to find out about different aspects of shooting than we guys think about. And they often come up with some pretty good questions. And I have found, thanks to my lady friends who love to hunt and shoot, that I am not the Macho Man hunter that I often thought I was. Some of these gals (laughs) can outdo me both in the walking and the backpacking and the packing, packing and the shooting and the cutting up and butchering of the game. And they're just the whole animal. And it's pretty nice to know that we have... Uh, I I tend to call them lionesses. You know, they're just like in the lion family. You've got the male lion and the female lion, and that female lion does not leave anything on the table. She's taking on the same big game animals as the big guy, <laughs> and there's no reason why Homo sapien females can't do the same thing. And boy, they're proving it. There's just a lot of great hunter gals out there, and I appreciate their support. So until next time, this is Ron Spomer thanking you for all of your questions and corrections and keep writing in and sharing your experience with guns and ammo and the things that you've learned because I get as educated from you guys as you do from me. Until next time, Ron Spomer signing off, hunt honest and shoot straight.